All right, welcome to a very special episode of the What the Niche podcast. Uh, this will be my second bonus episode, and in both of those bonus episodes, it has been with this this guy who's sitting across from me uh, with his cat in his face, uh, Eric Chavez. Um, we are going to be talking about his story, uh, and this one coming to you, uh, the last one was The Cat and the Hummingbird, and this one is called Dying of Thirst. And Eric, I thought it was interesting when you talked to me about this story. I just want you to share with people uh, what your inspiration was for the story. Uh, pretty much it was my fear as a kid. Um, uh, when I was little, I mean, everybody's like woken up in the middle of the night with like, uh, you know, being thirsty and just wanting a glass of water. But I always had a, a fear of getting up in the middle of the night uh, to get a glass of water because it, it was always dark. Uh, you know, it's like, it was a long walk to the kitchen. Um, and my parents didn't like, they didn't like having lights on like after a certain time. Uh, so like I would just walk in the dark hallway to the kitchen and not knowing that there's something in the, you know, dark corners of the house. And, um, so that's pretty much where this story came from is the fear that I had when I was a kid. Yeah. I think that's something that's, it's going to be fun about the story. Uh, there's a little bit more universality to this one uh, because everybody is a little scared of the dark. I mean, you can be as badass as you like to think that you are. Um, but realistically, at the end of the day, we're all a little scared uh, when those lights go off because things become distant remnants of what they were. Just with one little flick and everything becomes different. You know, even though your mind, if you're going to be logical, you know that nothing is different, but everything in your visual periphery is. Um, so that's, and going back, I know we talked about this before, everything that, uh, you know, tribal or nomadic people had to fear was in the dark. Uh, you know, bears, lions, tigers, all those different things, depending on oh where my. you were. <laughs> yeah. Oh my, <laughs> you know, snakes, all kinds of crazy stuff. So, yeah, that that innate fear is there. Yeah, and it's also, uh, I think the worst part for me was uh, uh, the walk back to the to oh, my yeah. room um, because it's like like the only light I had that time was because uh, my parents have or had still have one of those refrigerators that you you know automatically gives you put the glass and it's just like you hit the button. And it, you know, puts water in your glass and it will light up the kitchen with the, the like in the, from that fridge, from that little uh, spot where like uh, the water would come out. So like, I just remember the whole kitchen lighting up and I remember for like that brief moment, I was like, I feel safe. Then like after I like the light will go out, like I would chug the water so fast and I'm like, all right, I'm done. And I'll just try to like walk back to my room as quiet as possible without waking up my parents. Cause I would have to like walk past her room to go to my room. So I just remember that walk back is it was always like a brisk walk with like but on my tippy toes, and I just remember I was having like that um that just feel on the, like something was right behind me and like my you know how your skin kind of crawls and it's like you like you kind of just want to look back then you, but you don't because you're afraid you're gonna see something you don't want to see. So that's. That was always the worst thing for me. It was, it was more of the walk back than than it was to go to the kitchen. It, it, you know, it's interesting. 
because we when we discussed this, you said the same things that I had felt. And so it was it was really I was glad in a way. I was like, hey, it wasn't just me. You know, and I, I told you I would sing, you know, to keep myself from being scared, you know. <laughs> Try not to admit it. You're like, do 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 do. There's no monsters in the room. You know, you're downstairs. I was in the basement of my parents' house. I was like, I don't know. I started doing my own laundry at like 12. And even at 12, you know, you're right on the cusp of like right in the middle of middle school. You still kind of think you're cool. You know, you're st- I'm grown up. I'm grown at 12. And you can just laugh at that now. But uh, you were scared. Yeah. <laughs> I was scared. You were scared. Run I'm up those stairs with that basket. Try not to die. Even now, like uh, waking up in the middle of the night, um, you get like some kind of like light from the from the windows, and uh, it can be a street light or a moonlight, and uh, you just wake up like, you know, some people I wake up sometimes like three, four o'clock in the morning, witch hour, and uh, I was just looked out because the way my bedroom is or my bed is like facing the door, and I always keep my door open, so then you just see like the like the walkway through my living room, then into the kitchen. And just like, there's it always looks like something is there watching me, but it's just because I'm waking up and like, I'm still don't know where I'm at kind of thing. And it's like, that's the kind of stuff that kind of gets to me too. Um, and this is pretty much what that story is. It's uh, seeing something in the dark. You don't know what it is and you don't want to look at it and don't want to know what it is. Yeah, I love it. And I, I really am excited to see how people feel about it. The I think you've really taken it to the next level in just one one more podcast from the last one. So you're in, uh, exponentially better already. I'm excited to see uh, what you come up with next. So that brings me to that question. What is cooking in that brain um, for the next story? Uh, well, um, I have ideas, but I wanted to challenge myself. As you know, I got on Facebook and asked uh, – people what their fear was as a kid or even now uh and my challenge is to try to write a short story based upon their fears but i'm gonna try to pick the ones that i think that can make a good story um so uh, other than that um i'm my main goal for all this is to hopefully one day be able to put a uh some sort of book of like you know my short stories, uh, but get them, get them reviewed and edited and stuff like edited by somebody. And hopefully maybe one one day it'll get published. Uh, and also as me and you've been talking, I'm going to try to start my own, uh, platform podcast, whatever, to get these stories up. Uh, not just mine, but like read somebody else's story as well, as well, like do a narration on them. Maybe like once a month, I'll, I'll try to get one out because it's, it's a lot of work to come up with a good story and write it out indeed yeah and especially to give it the, the real treatment that it deserves uh with the sound effects and the right music and the, you know queuing up those things and getting the right levels and all those different things it's it's a job man yeah so, eventually i write my own music as well for it yeah that'll that's, be super cool yeah, yeah. That, that's another goal of mine but i'm just more focused on um writing good stories and um uh do, do better get better at narration that's like my f- first uh, two things i want to do right now perfect well thank you for continuing to share brother and i'm glad i'll be uh, happy to give you a platform with any story that you create and i hope people enjoy this uh be on the lookout uh i will be 
promoting um, once he launches his own channel and you know gets this thing going. You can be looking for that. Um, it'll be part of the same network as the What the Niche podcast, but it will be his own individual uh, baby. And so be on the lookout for that. Yay. Thanks. Sometimes we perceive we are safe in our solitude when the truth is beyond belief. Always be mindful of your senses when the hairs on the back of your neck stand to their highest point. When you feel an unbreakable stare from behind you. When you're waiting for something to reach just out of sight as you venture up the basement stairs or as you reach for the light switch, knowing a cold hand will reach for it as well. Maybe the perceptions we try to bury in the back of our mind as children were the stark reality as we should have trusted our innocent intuitions. Many years ago, my little brother Philip had a habit of waking up in the middle of the night to wanting water because he was overly thirsty. We shared a room back then and he would shake me awake from my deep sleep just to beg me to make the long, dark trip to our kitchen with him. Me being the big brother I was, I would go with him. I remember asking him one day, Why are you scared of getting a glass of water by yourself in the middle of the night? He simply answered, Because I feel like something is watching me. I laughed at his answer and fear and told him, Don't be a chicken. There is nothing that is out to get you. It's all in your mind. On the night of October 25th, 1995, Philip and I stayed up later than usual watching a WWF pay-per-view. My parents allowed it because they knew how much we loved wrestling. Philip ended up falling asleep during the program, and my dad carried him to bed. My parents gave me my nightly kisses on my forehead and wished me a good night before going to bed themselves, leaving me all alone in the blue-lit living room. The shadows caused by the television's blue light made the room feel ghostly. The tacky lampshades manifested long, monstrous arms on the walls behind me. The howling October winds made the branches tap and scratch the windows, making me jump out of my skin when the sounds caught me off guard. After watching the pay-per-view, I went to bed with heavy eyelids. As soon as I laid my head on my pillow, I fell fast asleep. Not two hours into my sleep, I felt Philip shaking me, trying to wake me up. Since I had gone to bed very late that night, I was dead to the world. After a couple of minutes, he managed to pull me out of my dreams with some vigorously shaking and pulling. I violently turned my back to him, and he continued to shake me and saying to me, James, I'm very thirsty. I replied to him, Don't be a chicken. Go by yourself. Leave me alone. 
Philip gave up trying to get me to join him to the kitchen. He gathered up the courage and began his journey to get his glass of cold water. I heard him shuffle around in the dark until he found the doorknob. He slowly turned the doorknob with a trembling hand making the brass jingle. The hinges quietly creaked as he opened the door, very slowly, and I heard his tiny feet clap on the hardwood floor of the hallway. I had listened to his pitter-patter until it faded away around the corner. There was a moment of silence before the howling wind conducted a symphony of high and low tones of wind chimes accompanied by the loud snapping of branches. I heard a chair slide across the kitchen floor telling me Philip was getting a glass from the cupboard since he was not tall enough to get one without the help of a chair. Then the sound of glasses clinking loudly echoed through the dark house. Shortly after, the chair slid back into its original place. The strip of magnet on the refrigerator door made a ripping sound as Philip pulled it open, and then I heard the water cascade into the glass. Philip drank his water with a slurp and big gulps to overcome his thirst, and then he made an over-exaggerated, ah, after finishing the last drop of water from his glass. He placed the pitcher of water back closed the fridge and placed a glass on the counter and began to make his way back. He walked back slowly and cautiously and quiet like a mouse, but then his walk turned into a jog. His feet clapped loud and I can hear him whimper. Philip then let out a shriek and began to run at full speed. I quickly sat up on my bed and turned my attention with wide eyes to the dark hallway. But then Philip's small but feet stopped right before turning the corner to our bedroom. I sat on my bed waiting to see him turn the corner, but he didn't. I whispered his name out. Philip. I didn't get a response. I waited a few seconds and whispered his name again. Philip. Nothing once again. I said his name once more a little louder. Philip. But this time something answered back in a low, grainy, harmonized voice. I laid out a loud gasp. I fumbled for a flashlight that I kept under my bed. Once in my possession, I flicked the switch. The batteries were low, making a strobe light effect. I banged on the sides until the light stabilized. With trembling hands, I slowly shined the flashlight towards the dark hallway, and what I saw next was not my baby brother. I became paralyzed. An old weathered face was peering around the corner of the hallway. The head was bumpy and shaped oddly long and it had thick black hair with patches missing. Its pure black eyes were pushed all the way back into its sockets, but they had a small glimmer of light from my flashlight. The nose was snarled and long and it curved down to its chin. The mouth stretched from one ear to the other, revealing its brown and yellow fang-like teeth with a red substance dripping onto its pointy chin. And the skin had a gray tint and pouches of hanging pus covered its face. Then a dark hairy arm appeared in the light. The thing was reaching for me. The arm stretched making popping and cracking sounds. It stretched and stretched until it reached my bedroom doorway. It grabbed the doorway with its fat meaty hands and it began to pull itself towards me making a low vibrating screeching hum like a cicada does when it's looking for a mate. Its sound became louder the closer it got. The closer it got to my bedroom, the light of my flashlight became weaker. It slowly started to disappear in the darkness of the hallway. Once it was fully submerged in the depths of my dark hallway, I screamed out for my mom and dad. 
The thing didn't like my high-pitched scream and quickly disappeared. The light of my flashlight once again lit up the hallway. My parents came running around the corner and into my bedroom. They held me tight as I tried to get the words out about what I saw. I just kept pointing down the dark hallway and saying, Philip, over and over. My hopeless calls fell flat in the hollow void of the hallway. They noticed that Philip was not in the room with me and began to search the house for him. He was nowhere to be found. They looked for him outside in the whole neighborhood until he just became another missing person case. There was no trace of him anywhere. The only thing that was found was the glass he used to kill his thirst with, and his tiny fingerprints and lip markings remained on the vessel of life. Some 10,000 sleepless nights later, I find myself peering at the calendar realizing it is the anniversary of the disappearance of my sweet little innocent brother. Standing in the doorway filled with adoration for my sweet baby girl who just turned five last week, which makes her the same age as Philip when he disappeared. With every sunset, anxiety creeps in as the waning memory of the horrible night remains. I get filled with relief and comfort as I place a full glass of water at her bedside. I make my way through my nightly checklist. I lock all the locks on her door. I check the batteries to make sure all the flashlights are in working order. I climb my ladder assuring that all the light bulbs are screwed tightly in all the hallways. I check the security panel to be certain that all the cameras are on and operational. And I check that my 9mm pistol is loaded just in case that thing comes back for my shea. As my mind began to drift off towards a peaceful sleep, I heard a small pitter-patter of feet across the tile floor, followed by the sound of a chair being pushed and then the sound of clinking glasses. I rubbed my eyes and sat on the side of the bed, and I listened intently, making sure I was awake. My anxiety was washed away when a small silhouette appeared at my doorway. Then I heard a small voice say, Daddy? Followed by a low, vibrating, screeching hum. Immediately, the sound put a pit in my stomach because it was the same sound I heard 25 years ago.